Hey everyone, welcome into the latest edition of the Postcast, production of the Cast for Star Tribune and Pokes Authority. I am Davis Potter, long beat writer for the Star Tribune. I'm joined, as always, by our managing editor, former Wyoming beatnik, Brandon Foster. Brandon, what's up, buddy? Hey, uh, yeah, not much. Just just uh, happy we dodged the snow, I guess, that you guys apparently got down in Laramie. So, um, yeah, you know, yeah, it's I'm ready. For... It's... Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was just saying I'm ready for warm weather. Uh, I know it's Wyoming, so that's a stupid thing to ask for in April, but nonetheless... Yeah. Well, I was, I was going to say that, uh, yeah, it's, it's funny, you know, people always talk about, um, you can experience all four seasons in Wyoming in like a span of, of days. So, mm-hmm. you know, over the weekend, uh, I think late last week, maybe there was a day where it was like 75 degrees here. And now I woke mm-hmm. up this, this, uh, Wednesday morning, um, you know, basically snowed in. So yeah, Wyoming for you. Always fun. Yeah. I got, I got suckered by the like 70 degree weather. I was just like, all right, we're, we're, we're through it, and I should know better at this point, but gets me every time. <laughs> All right, so uh, Brandon, some pretty big news on the Wyoming basketball front this week. Uh, Marcus Williams has entered the transfer portal, and certainly doesn't sound like returning to Wyoming is much of an option at this point. Um, and then some uh, interesting developments in terms of the name image likeness in college sports is something interesting that uh, Central Florida did over the the weekend during its spring game that uh, that I, I'm interested to, to talk about and hit on just a little bit, particularly um, considering that's also a, a group of five schools. So uh, we'll uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later in the in the second segment. But uh, first, um, the week obviously started with some very tragic news um, regarding the Wyoming football program. Tony Evans Jr. the uh, receiver out of Lancaster, Texas, who had just signed with Wyoming um, in February, was fatally shot in a Dallas hotel over the weekend. I, I, I know that the Dallas Police Department uh, hasn't really released any more information about that. Uh, the Dallas Morning News had reported that there were you know some high school kids that had gathered at the hotel for a party uh, late Saturday night. Um, but they still don't know a motive. Um, and as of early Wednesday afternoon at the time that we're recording this, um, still haven't gotten anybody in custody um, and are offering a reward of up to $5,000 uh, for anyone who can provide information on that case. But uh, yeah, I mean, Brandon, really nothing other to say than just a really, really tragic thing for the, for that program to deal with. And not only the program, but obviously Tony Evans' family and his friends and everybody that's been affected by this. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's the second time in three years that Wyoming has had a had a recruit pass before they even arrived on campus. Um, you'll remember a couple of years ago where Neftali Moimoy, the the defensive lineman out of California, was lost at, at, at sea. So, I mean, just just a really tragic uh, thing all the way around. Yeah, I mean, just just not much more to say than that. Just really a terrible story, and um, you know, it, it was kind of neat to see that some of the comments from the coaches and, and players, to, you know, just, um, you know, offering their, their condolences and their thoughts. I mean, obviously the, the coaches recruited him and, and at least some of them got to know him, but, you know, for players who probably have never even met the guy, maybe texted with him a little bit to, you know, to speak about, you know, the idea that he's, he's still always going to be remembered as a member of this team and stuff like that. Um, that's, that's very cool. Um, again, for, for them to 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 make those comments for someone they may never have even met, um, 
and yeah, I mean, uh, it's uh, it's it's tragic, and and you know, he's got, if I'm not mistaken, a, a teammate DQ. Is that right? Yeah. From the same school coming, and I think that will make it hit home even a little bit more, uh, especially for him. You know, um, it, uh, a player from that same high school is is on the Wyoming team and, and kind of carrying that memory. So, um, yeah, I mean, just just a, an awful story, and and um, you know that the I thought the school did a, a really nice job recognizing Moy Moy, like you mentioned a couple of years back at the home opener um, with, I, I think they brought his family out and everything like that. And, um, you know, I, I believe you had written that, that a couple coaches will yeah. go down to attend Evans's funeral. So, um, yeah, just, just really tough. And, and uh, I mean, not sure how much, how much more to say than that. Yeah. And, and all our, you can catch all our coverage on this, obviously at, at trip.com and pokesauthority.com. Um, but yeah, Craig Bowl and receivers coach Mike Grant, who obviously had a big part in, in, in recruiting Tony to Wyoming, they both plan to head down to the Dallas Fort Worth area uh, for his funeral services once those are finalized. But it hits home even more for, for Craig Bowl because, um, you know, he has, he has a tie to that family, you know, going back decades. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when he was a, a young defensive assistant at Tulsa back in the mid eighties, um, Tony Evans, uh, father, Tony senior was actually the, the starting running back then for the golden hurricane. And, um, you know, he just talked about how, you know, obviously how it was just, you know, gut wrenching for him to see Tony Evans juniors name pop up on the news in, in that way this week. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I just, you know, pr- thoughts and prayers to, to Tony's family and his friends. Cause, um, yeah, I just, I can't even imagine, um, you know, what, what they're dealing with right now. Um, uh, but Brandon, let's, uh, turn this into, uh, the basketball and the big story there. Um, Marcus Williams is in the transfer portal, um, was the unanimous Mountain West freshman of the year. Wyoming's leading scorer, um, second on the team in assists, did a little bit of everything as, as the four general for them. And, um, I know it may seem sort of weird, um, you know, considering the fact that he was committed and signed to Northern Colorado originally when Jeff Linder was there and ended up following him to Wyoming once Jeff got the uh, UW job. And, and look, I, I've I, I texted back and forth with a, with a source that's with direct information about this situation last night once the news sort of broke. Um, and I can tell you that, that everybody inside that program uh, was surprised to some extent, um, but I don't think they were completely shocked. And the reason for that is the transfer portal right now, and more specifically the one-time transfer waiver that is going to be adopted by the NCAA at some point. It could happen as soon as this week. Uh, I've seen reports that that's the expectation because the NCAA is meeting um, actually Wednesday and Thursday this week. So, you know, but by the time people listen to this, you know, it may be a done deal in terms of the one-time transfer rule, which is going to allow players transferring from one four-year school to the next um, to be immediately eligible at their next school one time um, in their career. They can transfer once. Um or, or I should say that they can make that transfer one time and be immediately eligible during their collegiate career, which usually, you know, the normal, the normal rules are 
you know, if you're transferring from one D1 school to, to the next, you usually have to sit out a year to, to fulfill those transfer obligations and be eligible at your new school. So the bad thing, or I guess the unfortunate thing for the group of five schools in this situation is they're the, they're the ones that are going to be most affected by this. Um, you know, it's, it's going to hurt them more than it's going to help them. And you're seeing that particularly, you know, and when you look at Marcus's situation, there's a lot of these players that come in and kill it their first year as a freshman. And all of a sudden, you know, they know, okay, you know, in anticipation of this transfer waiver being uh, adopted, um, you know, they can go to a power six school be immediately eligible to play there, and you know that, that's a big deal for them. Yeah, and and look, I, the transfer portal is always crazy, but you know the, the one-time transfer rule has sort of put this thing on steroids now, um, because all these kids know more likely than not they're going to be able to go make like a, a step up to the to the power six level and and not have to sit out a year. Um, but I, I don't think it would you would see necessarily as many kids transferring because all the you know these kids want to play more than anything. So you know I, I think if they were transferring up a level so to speak and they knew they had to sit out a year, um, th- then I think they might be a little more hesitant to do it because you know you're not going to get on the on the court in that situation for another two years. But you know with this, I mean it's you know, it's, it's basically free agency in college sports is what it is. And like I said, it's going to, it obviously hurts the, the, the mid-major schools more because rarely are you going to see the, the, you know, kids from the, the power six um, level transferred down to, to the mid-major level. Now there, 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 I mean, there's a few cases here and there. I, I just saw where um, there was a player at Cal who just transferred to San Diego state. So technically that's going from high major to mid-major, but San Diego state's uh, you know, it's hard to, I guess, by definition, since they're in the Mountain West, they're a mid-major program. But, you know, I mean, that, that's – San Diego State's sort of a national brand at this point, so it's hard to really call them a mid-major. But often you're not going to see that. So, I mean, rarely are you going to have guys go from high major to mid-major. Um, you know, if kids are transferring from the high major programs, it's usually to another high major because they want more playing time, you know, or, or see a better opportunity somewhere. But, you know, specifically in this instance – yeah, it's not shocking because you know he, he comes in, he kills it one year at Wyoming, and now he, he doesn't have to sit out, uh, or at least that's that's the way it's looking um, in anticipation of this transfer rule again being passed at some point. Um, you have a lot of mid-major kids who come in and blow it up their first year, and are now we're going to go look to, uh, to 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 sort of maximize their opportunity to strike while the iron's hot and take the step up to the high major level. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's it's a kind of a punch in the gut, just uh, you know, from sort of the fan perspective, or you know, the you know, um, looking at sort of the momentum this program seemed to have coming out of last year. But I think we said, you know, we always kind of said there was a caveat even before we knew this, as far as you know, the trajectory of of where things are going headed out of Linder's first year, just because college basketball in general is is unpredictable in this regard, and and now more than ever um, with this this new rule. You know, with you mentioned uh, Linder's statement on, you know, we thank Marcus for his contributions to our program very, and wish him well. Very brief very, statement, by the way. Very brief. D- doesn't <laughs> sound uh, like, the, like there's much of a chance of him uh, testing the waters and coming back. Um, that makes me wonder if uh, he has something kind of lined up already or, or something you know, yeah. in mind where he knows he'll be going. Cause otherwise you would think, you know, would probably want to keep that door open. I mean, you know, 
I guess different coaches might have different philosophies on a kid entering the transfer portal and, and wanting to come back. But with the you know freshman of the year, you'd have to think you might be willing to to overlook that. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's tough. Uh, you know, I I think we we tend to give players a lot more flack for making these moves than we do if a coach moves right. Like yeah. they they never seem to get the same sort of blowback if, if they take a, a different job um especially if, if if it's a you know quote-unquote bigger job uh we'll we'll see where he lands um but you know there's there's just so many kind of behind the scenes factors in these things as far as you know um you know maybe it's maybe he was homesick he's from texas I, you know we'll see where he winds up but um you know we've discussed already some there are some recruiting disadvantages that Wyoming faces, and and I think that does play a role not just in recruiting, but in in uh, you know keeping kids as well. Um, and you you know I think it's it's something every college basketball coach, especially at this level, deals with, um, and it might be a thing that's hard to really evaluate. You know uh, how well a coach is. Um, you know, how, how good they are at keeping players or not. You know, I think that was really um, the turning point in the Allen Edwards era was um, after a decent first couple of years, just had a, a exodus of players and, you know, not, not quite sure why all that happened, but um, that kind of did him in as far as having the, the bodies he needed to succeed. So it, it can, uh, it's a huge part of the job, but I don't, I don't know that there's any secret formula, um, and I don't know if, if any coach can actually control all that much of it, but yeah, yeah, we'll see. I think it's, you know, it's interesting, you know, after you have such a good year and, and I, again, I'm not going to criticize a 19 year old kid for what he wants to do with his life, especially with, like you said, this opportunity where you don't have to sit out a year, but you wonder a little bit of, of, you know, about the idea of messing with a good thing, right? Like, yeah. you know, he has a great year and, and clearly is, is getting recognition and is uh, putting up a lot of, impressive stats and i think um you know if he's ultimately a kid who wants to play at the next level uh, you know that wyoming is a place you can do that from even if it's not a huge market or you know it's not going to be on espn every every day um you know obviously larry larry nance got drafted in the first round but i think maybe even a better example is justin james you know larry nance had a, a team that won a lot and went to the NCAA tournament. Um, that that helps your resume. But but Justin James was an example of uh, even even if you don't do that, even if you're not you know a team that's going to win a conference championship, if if you play well enough, you know an NBA team can still find you in Wyoming. Um, that said, I don't know. You know Justin James is kind of like a prototypical NBA body, I think. Um, yeah. And and I'm not sure having. I haven't, you know, watched Marcus a ton in person or any, or I haven't ever watched him in person. I'm not sure, you know, it, it, what your read on that is, if, if he's kind of got that prototypical length or whatever it may be that the NBA looks at. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know. That might not even be a big part of his decision. Who knows? He's he's only freshman. But yeah. it is, you know, again, I I think we're, as, as like a sports media community giant, quote unquote, uh, you know, I think people are getting better at, at understanding that these are like kids making life decisions, and, and it's not just about like, oh, I lost this player from my team in the way that, you know, maybe it is a little bit more in the pros or whatever. But like, uh, f- 
from just the sheer fan perspective. It's it's a bummer. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, but you, but you also have to wonder too. You mentioned you bring up Justin James. Um, you know, if this one year or a one-time transfer waiver were in effect when he was at Wyoming, mm. would he have transferred? Yeah. You know, or, and that, and, it's not, and it's not just particularly to, to Wyoming either. You know, would San Diego State's best player have transferred? Would New Mexico's best player have transferred? Um, that, that's just the reality. I mean, the, again, the one-time transfer, that's, that, that's sort of the linchpin yeah. to all of this. But also, you, you know, if you are Jeff Linder, I, I think you understand some of the frustration if, the, if that's what he's feeling. Because, again, we mentioned the fact that he recruited – Marcus to UNC first, and he, you know, they, they were the ones that went into Texas and and and, fe- and sort of discovered him. Um, you know, I, I wrote a story about that uh, late last season about you know just how Wyoming went down to Texas and discovered him, and 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 the assistant coach Ken Deweese, and um, you know they're the ones that put more time and effort into into making Marcus a priority when they were at UNC than anybody. And, you know, obviously then he follows you to Wyoming when you get the Wyoming job and now he's leaving. So sure. I mean, absolutely. I think that's, that's a little bit of a, of a gut punch, but, yeah. um, you know, I, I should mention too, that, that I have tried to reach out to Marcus directly, um, multiple times, um, since Tuesday night, um, haven't heard back from him and I don't think I will. I, I don't know if you'll hear him comment about this, um, at, at all this offseason, or maybe not even until he lands at his next school, because you know I, I think he knows there's, you know, a large portion of the Wyoming fan base is not handling this well right now. So, um, you know, I think he's probably just going to av- avoid reporters right now and sort of let this thing die down. Um, but I also do wonder too um, how much the relationship, the player coach relationship between Jeff and Marcus might have played into this too. Um, because, you know, as, as, as long as, you know, Jeff and them recruited him, um, and, 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 and as much as Marcus said the right things publicly in terms of wanting to play for a coach like Jeff and his offense and feeling like he was a, a perfect fit for this style of play, you know, Jeff, in terms of his coaching style, he's admitted that it's not for everybody. And there were times last season where he benched Marcus, citing, you know, the, the lack of defensive intensity. And, you know, he held Marcus to a very high standard. Because uh, he saw the potential in him, and, and sometimes it showed him some some tough love. And there were times, you know, at the end of last season, where you know he didn't feel like he was exerting the the kind of effort and and, and energy that he needed to, particularly on the defensive end of the floor. And he, and, and he benched him. I, I wonder maybe if some of that played into it. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, not not talking to Marcus directly since he's made this decision. I, I don't really know what what the main thinking is behind this decision. Um, I I still think to tend it has a lot more to do with, with the one-time transfer waiver going into effect. Um, But uh, I I want, I do wonder if that's maybe something that played into his decision as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of this, you know, is easier to assess when we see where he, where he went, right? Like if if he makes a fairly lateral move, then I'm a little more inclined to think that, that, that latter point you made is, is a big part of it. Right. Um, like I think to back to times I've covered teams and kids are kids leave and say like, well, I just want to be closer to home. And then you see where they wind up and they're not any closer to home. And it's like, okay, well, um, you know, it's obviously still their right to move, but, but you realize, you know, okay, it was, they weren't liking it here. It wasn't, wasn't, uh, a right fit. Um, I, I also think it's a bummer that, you know, last year, I'm obviously this rule is in place because, because of the pandemic, but you know, you're, uh, you're, uh, first year college athlete you probably dreamed of playing in the NCAA forever uh you have a great year and 
you know, there's no home crowd cheering you on for the most part, uh, you know, or at least not not full crowds. I mean, I think you d- you, he probably didn't get the full Wyoming experience, you know, of, of playing in front of, like, a packed Dome of Doom like maybe he would have this fall. Um, you know, that, that probably didn't help Wyoming's case. I mean, obviously every school had that, but... Um, yeah, I and and then I I guess uh, so if if I'm understanding right what you said um, this this rule is still going to be in play for a couple more years for players who haven't used it yet is that right each each athlete has the right to um, do it once in their career right is, is that what you were saying correct yes if as soon as this goes into effect any player that has not already transferred um, will have the option to transfer once without having to sit out a year during their college career. So, okay. And that's, and, and that's, that's not even a COVID thing. It's permanent. Yeah. I, I, yes. It's, oh, permanent. Okay. it's permanent. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And, and um, I'm not really sure what the NCAA's motivation was behind it. Well, I, I think some of it is because, uh, you know, that so many transfers were happening anyway. And so they were having to go through a, a, the waiver process and approving that because there were, so, I yeah. think there were so many kids, you know, based on this situation or that situation or whatever they're, their motive was to, to to transfer. A lot of kids were asking for a waiver anyway to be waivers, yeah, yeah to be immediately eligible, and I think they were just <laughs> flooded with those. Um, I mean, I, I don't have any direct information on that. That's sort of just just speculation on my part, and just the way the the transfer portal uh, has been trending, you know, the last handful of years. Um, but I, I think that has something to do with it. But uh, if you're Wyoming now, I, I think you might. You know, you might worry now. Hey, does, does Graham Ek, you know, explore this? Does does a guy like Xavier Ducell? I mean, some of so many of these freshmen that had really good years for them. Uh, you got to wonder at this point: Is Marcus Williams going to be the only one? Um, I haven't heard anything about anybody else looking to transfer, or particularly the the freshmen. But I had not heard a peep about Marcus Williams um, entering the transfer portal uh, until the news broke Tuesday night. So. You know who knows, and I, I you know, right. I, I think, you know, it, it may be an ironic thing that if you're a Wyoming fan, you hated not having Graham Ek the first half of last season, given how well he performed. You know, in the what 10, 11 games they did play, but ultimately that might be a blessing in disguise. You know, only playing a handful of games that, that's a that's a really small sample size. Mm-hmm. So it, you know, I don't know if he sort of has the the the, the tape or the, or the sample size at this point that for other bigger schools, at least at this point, to come calling. Um, and then, you know, Xavier Ducell, you could argue that he was certainly, you know, their, their best shooter uh, by the end of the year. But he only, I think he only entered the starting lineup, I think the last 11 or 12 games of the season. So, you know, that may actually end up working in Wyoming's favor, at least for, for this year. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a lot of coming and going in the future for, in terms of, of the college basketball rosters and and the fluidity with those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I wonder if they're, you know, if we'll see them take advantage of this on the opposite end, right, of kids from even smaller schools, I don't know, wanting to, to play in the Mountain West, if, if they'll bring in more people because of this or to fill those holes, I, I don't know. Uh, I know, you know, obviously on the football side, uh, Craig Bull's philosophy is pretty set in stone that he's not a huge transfer guy. I don't I don't know where Linder stands as far as the, the hoops team. But, yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day there's, like, it's it's a tough pill to swallow the idea that there's um you know the, like the Venn diagram of maybe what makes sense and what's fair fairest to players and and what you know maybe sports leagues should do isn't always you know it's not 
a complete overlap with what creates the most entertaining product right or what's most fun for fans like i think of like in in pro leagues like um having a salary cap probably i would rather sports not have that because then you know my team doesn't have to be a cheapskate about stuff and and you know players can make more money etc but like it does make more teams competitive and it probably makes for a more entertaining product like those aren't always the same things if, if that makes sense like what maybe leagues should do to like treat their players best and obviously there's an entirely other dynamic to that in, in college sports um you know that doesn't always overlap with what's the most fun or what's the most enjoyable especially if, if you're not you know at the top of the food chain as far as you know um the the conference you play in and you know i think the big fear forever at, at, you know as far as these kinds of rules or, or paying players is is that the smaller um programs would turn into minor league teams basically you know like like feeder programs and and this this is kind of the case study of you know the worst fear of that i think is you you find a hidden gem for your school he has a breakout year and and you don't get to see him play one more game in in your uni, uh in your uniform so uh i certainly understand the the frustration and but i i think there's a decent chance that this is just going to be more and more of kind of what um, smaller programs have to deal with. Yeah, um, and you know, asking about Jeff and his philosophy on transfers, um, you know, he, he he's not huge on them. Um, he said that, but um, you know, if it's the right fit, uh, you know, he, he he doesn't ever rule it out. And actually, you know, they have a uh, power six transfer of their own, and Brandon Winsel, who joined the program during the season mm-hmm. last year after signing up with Utah at a high school. Now he was the guy, I think he only played like two or three games for the Utes um, before transferring. So he wasn't, I mean, he wasn't obviously a, a significant contributor for Utah last season. And, um, you know, it wasn't one of these guys that obviously every other programs wanted uh, just in terms of his production uh, in college. Cause there hasn't hardly been any for him. So I'm not, I'm not sure maybe if there's, there's a tie with Jeff, to get Brendan uh, to transfer to, to Wyoming, but uh, I do think he's going to be a guy that's that's going to be a significant contributor for Wyoming moving forward. But Wyoming now has to – I don't know if they have a true point guard on the roster right now. I think they may go out there and get active in the in the transfer portal and, and bring in a, a point guard because, um, I mean, Xavier, Xavier Ducell maybe could play the point, but I think he's he really excels as a two. I mean, that, that that's what they brought him in to do is – is to, to play off the ball and, and shoot it. Um, you know, Hunter Maldonado has run some point before, but that's – I mean, that's not his position. Um, you know, I mean, he, he's, he's, he's a wing. Um, so, I think you're going to see them be active in the transfer portal and or, or either maybe sign a, a, a prep or a high school player late in the process, um, you know, because they've now got with Quan Marble also transferring – um, they, they've got a few more scholarships that, that they can play with. So I, I would expect them to fill most, if not all, of those that they have left. Uh, Brandon, we can uh, go ahead and take a break there. And then when we come back on the other side, we'll uh, we'll discuss some personal branding and, and what Central Florida did at it. It's a spring game over the weekend.
guest. And uh, now, Brandon, I just want to do a hit on something that I thought was interesting uh, that, that I saw over the weekend. And that was uh, Central Florida uh, puts the Twitter handles of its players on the back of its jerseys for their spring game. And I thought this was interesting just because, um, number one, it's, it's a group of five program doing this. And number two, uh, this obviously sort of ties into the name, image, and likeness regulations that, that are inevitable at this point in college sports. Um, obviously, that's a huge talking point in college athletics right now. Um, and, and, you know, Central Florida actually isn't, isn't the first team to do this. Temple actually did this a couple of years ago. I think it was during their spring game in 2018. Um, elected to put the, the Twitter handles of their players on the back of their jersey instead of their, their last names. But yeah, just what, maybe your uh, your thoughts on that. Um, <laughs> I, I've got a, I got a long list here. <laughs> Initially, my first thought is I hated it because I think it just looks like aesthetically really ugly, which I understand is not the the point. But like my first blush thought was like, oh, that looks that looks terrible. Um, but no, I think uh, I mean obviously that's not the reason they did it. I think. Uh, what I would love is if high school teams would do this because I remember when I was covering uh, the UW beat and trying to find recruits handles, it was the biggest challenge in the world. And like, they're always really funky with a bunch of, you know, numbers instead of letters or whatever. So it would have been way easier if they just would have had their handles on the back of their jerseys on their, uh, on their huddle videos. But uh, I mean, I think to some extent, like, what matters most is if the players like it. Um, you know, it's kind of a similar thing just with, like, alternative jerseys and stuff like that. You know, you've seen um, teams kind of lean more into the Oregon thing just because it's a, it's another way to, like, make uh, recruits think you're doing something cool. But, um, you know, I yeah. I, uh, I don't know. I, I think um, there's kind of some <laughs> interesting like elements to this i mean for one the the one thing that no fan should ever do is tweet at a player and this makes it this makes it extremely easy to tweet at a player it's like oh there's there's this handle right there at j flash but like um someone like kind of jokingly but asked like could you put could you put their venmo handles on there and be like uh you know nice catch there number nine here's 20 bucks um I think that. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what that was one of my first thoughts was. Hey, man, they should have really they should put Venmo handles on there, and then then things right, really would have got like fun. The uh, you know the NCAA is going to start allowing players to make money off of uh, off the personal likeness in, in that capacity. Like that seems uh, like it has more upside to me than uh, somebody adding me. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, but it's it, it's just, it's interesting because. You know this again. It's a group of five schools. So I and and Gus Malzahn, who their newly uh, hired head coach, um, I think he was uh, he was asked about it after the game, and uh, this is what he said via the the Orlando Sentinel: uh, "This is a new age of personal branding. We're going to embrace it." And I I think that's great for. G, particularly G5 schools where, let's face it, your athletes aren't getting as much notoriety uh, as the Power 5 schools. I mean, you, you know, you're you, you're not on the primetime TV slots. You're not – you're just not, you know, out, out in front as much uh, on a national scale. Um, so, I, I, think, I think it's genius. I mean, there wasn't anybody talking about 
um, you know, how many yards the quarterback threw for, how many yards the running back ran for. Like, what UCF did on the field in their spring game was totally irrelevant. I mean, everybody was talking about, hey, did you see what UCF did with their jerseys? And they got everybody talking about it. And I think that, you know, that's, that's sort of the point here. And, you know, you have so many schools that, you, you know, are, I don't know if trying to fight this is the right phrase to use, but um, aren't necessarily embracing it. And we, we all know that name, image, and likeness, that's going to be a reality sooner rather than later. Um, and, and look, we can dive into this topic in a later podcast, maybe later in the year when the NIL stuff gets, gets, I guess, passed officially, um, or if it ever does by the NCAA, cause you know, they're trying to come up with a, I guess, a uniformed regulation. Um, so, so that there's, you know, some schools in some states aren't offering more than, than other schools, but you also have individual states now who have already, some of them have already passed legislation and some of it's going to go into effect as early as this summer. Um, you've got states like, New Mexico, Colorado, Nebraska, California. And I bring those all those up specifically because those are all in Wyoming's recruiting territory. And, you know, Wyoming better get on board with this because we, we've talked about in the past, it's already hard enough to recruit to a place like Wyoming. You don't need even more disadvantages on that front. You don't need to make it harder on yourself by not having some legislation in place. I mean, you know, if, if, if you've got some, let's just throw out this hypothetical, but if you've got a three-star quarterback that's down to Fresno State and Wyoming, and California already has legislation passed allowing you know athletes to profit off their name, image, and likeness, and Wyoming doesn't, well, where's that kid going to go? He ain't going to Wyoming. I mean, if there's any possibility that he can be compensated off his name, image, and likeness-wise in college, just use some common sense. He's going to go to the school where he can do that rather than the one that he can't. So, I give UCF some credit, you know, for for like Alzan said to to embrace this because this is this is the direction it's going, and NIL is is uh is going to be a thing officially at some point for all schools to deal with, and you know, for them to get out in front of it and sort of embrace the the personal branding aspect that comes along with that. I you know I commend them for it. Yeah, I mean, I think in theory, I agree with what you're saying and that it makes sense to embrace you know that this, this is going to be a bigger and bigger part of college football in practice i can't help but think it's i just keep thinking the more i think about it uh that it's like extremely lame <laughs> because like like are kids even on twitter anymore like i feel like twitter's for like old you know millennials at this point i feel like gen z is all about uh tiktok and, and instagram like could they put their instagram handle on it i don't know like this feels <laughs> yeah. like someone try like hello there fellow kids in like uniform form like the only thing lamer i could think of is putting like a qr code on the helmets or something <laughs> uh, like but uh i also think there's like there's some like practical logistical things this could bring up that seem like way more work than it's worth like do you really want everyone going to all these kids' Twitter accounts? I mean, like, uh, are they going to start monitoring kids' tweets for, like, is, is the content appropriate? Like, what if a kid has a swear word or something in his – or not a swear – you know, but, like, what if a kid's yeah. uh, handle isn't entirely appropriate or, you know, for what they would want on a jersey? Like, I, I don't think schools up to this point really have done much to um, – you know, monitor kids' tweets and stuff like that. I think, you know, probably to some extent, if a kid tweeted something insane, they would say, like, hey, delete that. But, like, you know, they're, they're maybe del- they are probably tweeting stuff that schools wouldn't tweet themselves or wouldn't necessarily want affiliated with their programs. And, I, you know, this also brings in, like, these kids are, like, 
uh, you know, 18 through young 20s, but, like, uh, they, they've probably had Twitter since they were in, like, middle school at this point. You know, it's been around for a long time. And then, like, is this going to dr- just drag up more, like, Josh Allen scenarios where people find, like, tweets from when someone was in high school or something, you know, insensitive and, like, not to to get, like, into a cancel culture debate, but, like, this, this only seems like, it, you know, puts more attention on, like, uh, something stupid someone could have tweeted at this point when they were, like, 13 because these kids probably had accounts going back a long ways. Um, I don't know, like... That's if I'm an assistant coach, I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing all that. <laughs> like, I'm not gonna go look through everyone's tweets and like search to yeah. see if they may have like, you know, uh, tweeted an insensitive modern family quote when they were 16, like Josh Allen did or something. And then you know the other team digs it up the the night before the game and and uh, tries to get them intro. I don't know. Like it seems like there's a whole lot of uh, things like that that are just like a waste of everyone's energy. Um, but but I agree at large, like yeah, like the allowing players to to you know make use of their own likeness is 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 on the way, no matter how you feel about it. As far as Wyoming goes, though, I think like I, is Craig Bull gonna do this? Like Craig Bull is like very old fashioned. You know, I talked about uniforms. Like he's not even yeah. a third uniform guy. They don't even have <laughs> any names on the back of the jersey. They don't have last names, much less Twitter names. Like right, I, this would be a. I'd be a little bit shocked um, if they did this. I mean, I think the legislation part that you bring up is probably more consequential and, and, and maybe more likely. I don't know of any Wyoming legislator who's even brought it up. We just wrapped up a session. Uh, I, that's, that's a really good question, but um, I, I, don't, I don't know that I see, like, Craig Bull, you know, putting TikTok handles on the helmets or something <laughs> like I, I, it's a very old fashioned ethos. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think to some extent too, there's, you know, like is, is the offensive lineman on, on Wyoming gonna ever profit off of his likeness, you know, like, Oh, this is only going to like actually affect so many players. And I agree with like the NCAA exploring ways to, allow those players to do it like you know like Tua Tungavailoa is like a national star when he's at Alabama it doesn't make a lot of sense that if his injury had been a little bit worse you know he could have never made a buck off of football but like uh, is this actually all that relevant at the G5 level I don't know I mean it's it'll be interesting to play out but I I just staring at these uniforms uh it's super lame to me (laughs) yeah well but if the players liked it whatever but back to your point about, um, you know, the, the I guess the, the Twitter handles, um, what what players might tweet out or this or that. Like, you're not putting those players' Twitter handles on their back of their jerseys if you didn't haven't sat down and had a, a team-wide conversation about this, right? Like, that's, that's something that, that has to happen before – you know, I mean, you you can't sit there and go and just surprise the kids, right? Oh, guys, show up the the day of the spring game well, and be like, "Hey, yeah. we're putting your Twitter handles on the back of your jerseys." Like there had to be, a, there, surely there were multiple conversations leading up to this about, okay, guys, this is what we're doing, but you know, th- this is what comes along with this. You know, be careful, yada yada yada. Yeah, I mean that's probably probably true. I mean, I think a lot 
I'd be interested to read a story. I bet a lot has changed in the last five years. Because um, I'm trying to think of, I mean, there's been a lot of examples. I mean, there was like the MLB pitcher, right? Who someone dug up like a racist tweet of him while he was pitching in the All Star game. Like, um, like Josh Allen is far from the only example in the pros. I bet there are like, I bet NFL agents and you know agents at all uh, in all pro leagues are very savvy now at, at uh, cleaning up a Twitter account. So maybe that extends down to some extent to the the college level but otherwise like twitter search function is stupid like i've done it like i'm just trying to imagine like uh you know uh craig bull sitting down with wyoming players and they're like okay so go to (laughs) twitter.com and type f-r-o-m colon no space then your handle and then type every slur you can think of (laughs) like what (laughs) i don't know man i i can't see like every like ucf probably has a giant staff it's a very well-funded school uh, yeah. I can't see every UCF is actually one of the bigger schools in the country. It's I think huge. Don't yeah, think people I, realize that. No, it's so big. Yeah, I can't. I can't imagine. I mean, it is it is in Orlando, so yeah. Like, I don't know. I mean, like Craig Bull doesn't even tweet himself. Like, I, I don't. I think the last time he tweeted was like before I got on the beat. Besides retweets, right. yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean it's it's interesting, but I, I don't. I think the the Twitter handle thing is like that's not the emphasis here. Like that's right. just more of. Getting, hey, we're embracing the personal brand because ultimately that's how these kids are going to make money off third parties, right? You know, whether it be ads for car dealerships, TV commercials, holding a camp, whatever. I think that's just more of UCF uh, and even Temple, like I mentioned a couple years ago, just sort of emphasizing the point that, hey, we're embracing this. Our players are, they're, they're more than just you know, entertainers for people on Saturday afternoon when they come out and watch them play. Like, these are real human beings that put in a lot of time and effort into, you know, into being college athletes and I think put in a lot more time than, than people realize. And I just think it's it's more of, hey, these are our individual players. I think it's more of an emphasis on that, just knowing what's coming down the pipe with the NIL laws that are already in place in, in some states and, again, maybe a, a more uniform thing from the NCAA, which – the NCAA keeps dragging its feet on this, and 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 states are states aren't waiting around anymore. Yeah, I think with some of these states going ahead and adopting, I think they're trying to put the pressure on the NCAA. Like, hey, you know, man, if if you're not gonna, you know, introduce a uniform law on this, we're gonna take it into our own hands, and we're gonna we're gonna leave it up to to each individual state. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's. I think you know when you said the handle is not the end. It's not the end game. You know, the end game here. Yeah. Like, I think that's that's a very good point because like. You know, NFL players don't have their handles on their jerseys, but they're able to make money off their license. But uh, yeah, I just last thing I want to say is I uh, I don't want to sound like I'm on on like the wrong side of history here. I 100 percent think that players should get to do this, if only because of the most cringeworthy worthy thing that I've ever read, which is that um, I think last month Michigan State announced that its basketball team, unless this was like a half month early April Fool's joke. Like Michigan State's basketball team is now officially going to be known as the MSU Spartans, presented by Rocket Mortgage. <laughs> yeah, which I like. I someone throw me off of a bridge. Like, no, <laughs> come on. Yeah, that's 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 a like bad SNL skit or something. Like, that's if if a team can do something that horrible and stupid and terrible. I mean, that's like worse than the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Like, yeah. if if teams can do that, then player players like put your social security number on your socks. I don't even care. 
Yeah. No, I think Michigan State came out later after that and said, we're not going to be officially known as Michigan State basketball presented by Rocket Mortgage. But they have they have par- oh, okay. they, they have partnered with them. So, I mean, look, I mean, this is a whole another conversation for another day. I mean, we spend hours on this. But, <laughs> um, you know, it's just another example of seemingly every, everybody but – the the student athletes who go out and make the money for the schools are actually able to make money. So yeah. I don't know. Anyway, uh, teams should like like players should change their uniform numbers to their routing numbers. I think that'd be cool. Like, I, send me a check. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm all for that, man. Venmo handles, like the- routing numbers, bank account <laughs> numbers. Let's just let's just get let's just get. Well, I, I, or I should say, Brandon, let's just get professional with this, which I know in Sully folks and coaches and administrators, they cringe at that. But I mean, yeah. it, it's real. you can't sit there and say sport, a, a athletic department that makes millions and millions and sometimes hundreds of millions of dollars is a, is, is involved in an amateur sport. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, I like the idea of, you know, like when T.O. pulled out the Sharpie and signed the ball. Like, I like, you know, players sign, uh, scores a touchdown and, like, writes his Venmo handle on the ball. <laughs> and, you know, holds it up to the camera. Yeah, so. It's the future. Yeah. Embrace it. Yeah, embrace it. All right, Brandon, I think we can go ahead and wrap it up there. One quick football note before we get out of here. Um, Gunnar Gentry, wide receiver, is out indefinitely with a patellar tendon injury. Um, Craig Bull said he... He like misplaced it or tore it or something, um, but either way, he's going to be out for the foreseeable future. He said there is a chance, just depending on his rehab, that he could miss the entire fall. But they're hoping to get him back at some point. So that's the, the big news, at least on the field this week for for Wyoming football. Um, they will have their fifth spring practice Thursday, late Thursday afternoon, uh, and then we'll have another practice on Saturday. Um, again, there will be a media availability um, after their practice on Thursday, but but not following the weekend practice. But uh, be sure to uh, check out all of our coverage at Trib.com and PokesAuthority.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at PokesAuthority. You can follow me on Twitter at Davis E. Potter. Follow Brandon on Twitter at BFoster91. Uh, this podcast is on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Omni. So be sure to um, subscribe, download it, give us that five-star rating if you are so inclined. You can also find this podcast on our website at the Pokescast link, which is updated every time a new episode is published. Uh, Brandon, appreciate you joining me. Appreciate all of you guys for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Yeah, and follow us on Venmo at Pokescast dollar sign dollar sign dollar sign.